Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Wow. Well, today is um, a special weekend for us in the life of the Journey Church. Five years ago, five years ago, this weekend, we became a multi-site church. Um, there aren't a lot of models of multi-site church in Atlanta, Canada. We're one of them, where we use technology to preach every weekend. We have three services that happen every weekend, have a Saturday night service. And right now, while this congregation is full here, they're packing it out at another place called um, Brentwood Campus on the Dixon Boulevard. And we're all part, though, of the same church, the Journey Church. Now, a lot of things have happened in the last five years. But it's important at times, at an anniversary service, to remember God's faithfulness. To celebrate, not glamorize, but to celebrate what God's been doing in the last five years. And so we are going to take time to remember today. Now this is a really strange service because maybe you came in hoping for your little row of chairs and they're gone. Okay? Because that's part of our, what we believe. God at times puts you into a new place, into a new setting. So today we're trying to mix things up a little bit. Now today, this is called a common meal worship service. Or maybe a better way to call it is this is our kitchen party uh, worship service. We're going to have a very short service today. We're going to have just um, a, a, a one song. We're going to have some stories shared in just a minute. We're going to also then have a very, believe it or not, short message by me, about 10 minutes. I did it in nine last night, so we look forward to that. Uh, no, no applause yet. Um, and, and, and then we're going to have communion around the tables, and then we're just going to move right into a meal, and we're going to enjoy our community with one another. So uh, this is going to be great. And again, we just want to remind you, if you have children here, the children's program is starting right now because we're going to be bringing the children uh, back into the service during our mealtime. So it'll be wild and, wild and crazy. I just want to um, remind you, if you're a guest today, please fill out a card so we can have a contact with you. Um, uh, and we can follow up with you about information at the Journey Church. And we also have a, a gift for you if you're new that we'd like to give to you uh, later on during the mealtime. Let us hear the word of God at this time. Listen to this. Here's a description of the early church. Listen carefully. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. I love that line, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. That's what we're doing today. We're doing something New Testament, early New Testament. I'm excited. May God bless you as we worship Him today and we come together in community. In Romans, we're told that once we were slaves to sin, but now we wholeheartedly obey the teaching we've been given. Now we're free from our slavery to sin, and we have become slaves to righteous living. This weekend, as Dave mentioned, we're celebrating five years in multi-site ministry, and we want to take time to remember the great things that God has done in our midst over the past five years. We also want to take time to look forward to the great things, the awesome things that God has prepared for us, that he's going to do in our church and us individually in the coming years. So I'm just going to ask you to stand with me right now, and we're going to again sing God of the city. You're the God of the city. 
You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. very simple, uh, but a very uh, uh, important type of service for us as we, again, uh, take time to think about what God has done in the last five years since we really made a turn in the road and became a multi-site church. And what we wanted to do was uh, share, uh, have some people just share some stories about um, what God, from their vantage point, um, how they became part of this multi-site story. And I, I decided that tonight, I, I wanted uh, the, this congregation to hear from two people, uh, two of our church leadership uh, people, uh, that normally you don't get a chance to hear their story about how God used them um, to make this become a multi-site reality. So I want to, first of all, begin with uh, Seth Kroll. Uh, Seth is the chair of our board, and uh, we want to invite Seth up, and Seth's going to come and share his story at this time. Look at that. You got applause. <laughs> I almost sensed the chant starting. Whoa, that was, that was impressive. Okay, Seth. Now, remember, we're on time here, Seth. Let's go. All right. <laughs> Dave, Dave said, Seth, I'd like you to share five years in five minutes. <laughs> but the timer is on, and so here's what I got thinking about as, uh, as a has to do with the whole idea of these, these last five years, and this being a celebration time. Part of my mind got thinking about, well, what do we as people, just generally speaking, think about celebrating? And so I thought I'd share five, five elements or five aspects of life that sort of cause us as humans to celebrate, generally speaking, and then quickly relate it to our story and me personally just very briefly, because I only got five minutes, right? So the first, um, I don't know, if, did you hear in the news a few days ago about these two guys that were up in the mountain and, and got stranded and they found their vehicle, they couldn't find them, and then finally they did find them a couple days ago? Well, we celebrate survival stories, don't we? We celebrate survival. And I would submit to you that this, this celebration, in part, is a, is, is, a, is a story of survival. Now, as a Brentwooder, one who was over on Dixon Boulevard in the Brentwood Baptist Church, in a very, very small congregation, in many, many ways, it was a survival story because we were small, we were shrinking, we didn't know what to go, and to sort of be grafted into the Allison Church at the time was kind of cool. At the same time, part of what was unique about this is this was not a grafting into the branch, this was a grafting into the trunk. And as a result of that, a new entity was, was being developed as, as part of that. But survival stories are pretty kind of special. And Brentwooders, we felt like that a little bit. But if we can go to the next slide, Larry, Survival, in a lot of ways, is sizing up your situation, using all your senses to, uh, to make haste, not waste, remember where you are, vanquish fear and panic, improvise, value living, act like the natives, and in that case, part of us was to sort of come in and be, act like Allison at that point, and live by your wits, but for now, learn basic skills, and that was part of just the getting by. 
And sometimes we felt like this next guy, this next guy. recognize him in there, All right? When you're in the deep trouble and we've, we're feeling it, say nothing and try to look like you know what you're doing. And sometimes it felt like that, right? But I would submit to you too that Allison, Allison was surviving in its own way too. Not probably day, day by day, not at the membership level, but at the leadership level and as you thought about the future. Because you can't stay the same because the second thing that we like to celebrate is change. This, this little fox guy needs change, right? Well, we can never stay the same um, or we won't survive, right? So change is good. But who wants to be the first to try it? And I would submit to you that it takes daring leadership sometimes to be the first to try it. Because as that happened, you know, change creates its own kind of wrestling, its own kind of turmoil, its own kind of struggles. And we were a part of that and going through that in some ways. And there would have been some elements as to, I wish someone else had gone first. But this next slide reminds us that we don't need to worry so much about that you go first. Because if we flip to the next slide, Larry, change really is good. Just ask the butterfly. Right? There's a sense where sometimes it feels like we're crawling along, we're just on the limbs, we're hanging on for dear life, but every now and again, there is hope in the future. And I would submit to you that as we celebrate year five now, we, we're experiencing the chance to look forward into that future to be able to fly and be that butterfly. So we celebrate change, but we also celebrate, beyond, besides survival and change, with some of those things comes accomplishments. We celebrate new heights many times. The fact that we celebrate weddings, the fact that we celebrate uh, anniversaries, the fact that we celebrate just having a birthday. I made it another year. is an accomplishment. But we celebrate graduations. We celebrate a whole variety of things within our lives that are valuable and important. And this is one of those things as well. Five years is no big deal. I mean, it's a big deal, right? Five years is a big deal, but we look to celebrate five more and five after that. And so to be able to stand on the peak and to celebrate what has happened in these first five years is exciting as we look forward to other change uh, for the future. But not only do we celebrate those three things, we tend to celebrate our fourth thing too. And we can go to the next one, Larry. We celebrate relationships. How to build lasting relationships. I like this one. Please cut out the dot around the dotted line, rotate 180 degrees. The best way to kill a relationship is make it all about me, right? And what was beautiful about this challenge, and this was part of the survival, but part of the change and part of the accomplishment in this whole anniversary celebration is both churches decided not to make it about me. Now, is that tough? Absolutely. And does that make ch give all kinds of um, issues that we've got to deal with? Absolutely. But it's relationships. One more slide there, Larry. And we made it you plus me equals us. And all of a sudden, multi-site was born, and the Journey Church came after. One more thing to survive, because we're over by 16 seconds. But that's the whole idea of faithfulness. Okay? We celebrate faithfulness. And it's the fruit of the Spirit. And we're reminded in this midst of this that God is the faithful one. We can celebrate faithfulness that we have in each other, and that's wonderful, but we celebrate him as well. Now, you put those five things together, and you have a little acronym. You take, you take those five things. Guess what it spells out? Scared, change, accomplishment, relationship, faithfulness. What's that give you? Scarf! <laughs> now you say, 
What's that got to do with anything in celebrating five years? Nothing, but I think you'll remember it a little bit better now. All right? Well, that kind of reminded me of my uh, role in this whole change process at uh, Brentwood because Seth was on the board with me, and by the time he got finished talking, there was really nothing left for me to say. <laughs> uh, not fair, actually. Um, there's lots to say. It was a, it was a interesting um, beginning because before, two years before the whole conversation, or a year before the conversations began to do multi-site um, with Brentwood, uh, I was the pastor there, um, I was called to be the pastor there on a half-time basis, sharing my time between another congregation in Riverview, uh, River of Life, and, uh, which I'm still pastor of, and, uh, and Brentwood. And so I was, we were negotiating all of that, and, and we'd already gone through some uh, change of the whole idea of a full-time single church pastor to uh, bivocational, I guess, uh, situation. And so that was kind of a, an alarm bell, I think, for the Brentwood congregation to realize that uh, we're in a situation now where we need to do hire a person half-time. And, uh, and because it was a, a, a congregation that had lots of uh, joy and lots of, you know, all these examples that uh, Seth gave and Fruit of the Spirit and all of that, but it was an aging congregation that um, still had hope and still had vision, but it didn't have the energy, perhaps, or the resources to, to push it forward. And I remember when I first started at the Brentwood Church as the pastor, I, made, I asked very clearly to the congregation, do you want a chaplain or do you want a leader? Um, because I actually saw a difference between the two, someone to come in and sort of hold hands and, and pray with you and comfort you um, as the church diminished and diminished, or someone who was going to come in and offer perhaps some hard solutions to the problems. And um, a year into my ministry there, uh, Dave and I had a conversation about multi-site, and uh, he'd already uh, talked with Seth, and uh, we began this conversation and one of the, the things that uh, struck me through the whole negotiation process was that I had to discern between what was best for me individually, what made me feel safe, what made me feel like I could actually have a decent living, you know, working two churches, it was, doing, I was, it was okay, it was, it was workable, it was manageable, um, and what would really bring the church forward um, to the next level of where God wanted it to go. And it, for me, really became an issue of deciding on what was going to make me feel comfortable and not, um, I guess, afraid of what was going to happen because I had no um, promises when we uh, got into this whole multi-site thing that I would land on my feet and have a position here at the Journey Church. Um, it worked out that way. Um, uh, God has sort of created a place for me. Um, but at first, there were no guarantees on that, and so I was sort of looking out into the void thinking, okay, well, I guess I'm going to negotiate through all of this, and, then, and who knows where I'll, I'll end up. And what God really taught me through that process, that sometimes, when, well, matter of fact, all the time, and this is one of uh, Seth's points as well, that when we look to the kingdom of God and we look to what God wants from us to go to that next level, sometimes we have to get out of the way. And we have to put our fears and our comfort and our desire for things to stay the same. We have to put that aside. And we have to say, okay, God, what do you want? And sometimes that's going to be a little bit frightening as you look out there because you don't know what it's going to look like in the end. 
But we had a vision. The board, uh, the deacons board at the Brentwood had a vision for what this could be. Uh, we did all our talks and negotiations and, um, and we came to an agreement. And five years later, which is actually for those of us who are negotiating and doing the conversation, it's been actually six years since we started talking um, all the, the conversation. I look at what's happened and uh, over at the, at the Brentwood site and the, the cars lined up on the street and I, I see people, I see children, I see, I mean, I don't get a chance to go there very often, but when I do, what I see is God having fulfilled that promise that he made to, the, to me, I feel, uh, that if we just stepped out, if we just went into the unknown, trusting him and his kingdom, what his promises were, that we would see good things happen. And the interesting thing about that is that that's not just a one-time promise. Uh, God stands right at the door now and he says, you know what? The kingdom, my kingdom stays the same. Rules haven't changed. We've got to step out. Sometimes we don't know what it's going to look like. Sometimes it's going to bring change. But what I've learned in this is that sometimes we have to get out of the way and let God do what he wants to do and then stand back and just simply rejoice that he is faithful. And I think that in this last five years, we have seen example after example after example of God being faithful to us in multi-site. So um, I guess when, when, when I was asked to uh, speak this morning and tell my story, um, I was a little surprised, to be honest, because when I look at some of the other people that I saw were telling their story this weekend, like Seth, like Brent, you know, some of the people that were very instrumental in the negotiations and the discussions, uh, you know, there's obviously, I thought there was other people, but, um, you know, so I guess what I look at, I look at it as kind of like, you know, there's major characters in a story and there's minor characters in a story. And I'm one of those minor characters. And I think in any good story, you still need those minor characters. That's what I'm telling myself. And, uh, you know, to add some flavor, to add some other context. So that's what I'm going to share this morning. And uh, so when I look back five years ago um, at how I was involved in uh, the multi-site transition and, and transitioning to two different uh, campuses, um, there, was an off, there, was a, there was a big buzz in the air. There was a lot of preparations going on. Uh, you know, there was renovations happening over at the other campus. Uh, there was planning going on for the first service and the launch and all of this. And uh, one of the things that they were announcing is they're making a call for uh, members over here at the Allison Church, the Allison campus, to um, head over to the Brentwood campus and sort of bring the Allison culture. And uh, so that was sort of to, to bring the culture, but it was also sort of to fill some seats over there so that, you know, when people showed up, some new people, that they wouldn't be entering a mostly em empty church. And um, so... Uh, at the time, they're using the analogy of pioneers to sort of, you know, portray people heading across that long distance from, from here to there, you know, sort of the Oregon Trail thing, right? But uh, for my family, uh, coming from Riverview was actually closer, so it was a very easy pioneer journey that we made. Um, and at the time, to get a, an idea of which families were going, what the numbers were going to be, they were having people sign up online. So I still remember going to the AllisonChurch.com website, and there was a spreadsheet up there, and I signed up Hennessy family beside, I think there was a half a dozen other families there that had committed to going over uh, to give them an idea, you know, that we were committed to being one of those pioneer families to head over the other campus. Um, it was interesting as I was uh, preparing this, I was thinking back five years, and 
and it really amazed me how quick things had changed just for my own life. Five years ago, um, Rachel and I had just had our third child. Uh, she was just a few months old. Um, we had been uh, out to Alberta for my brother's wedding uh, just in the, the late summer. And moving into the fall, um, I was working at a software startup and the money was starting to run out and I was trying to decide what to do. And it's sort of interesting when I look, you know, the church was going through transition and my personal life is going through transition. And it's really interesting how you, how you look at your church, how you're sort of woven, you know, your, your personal life and your church life sort of weave together at a certain point. So um, that was really neat to think back on that. Um, so as I said, uh, we had our infant daughter. So as we started attending the, the first few services at the Brentwood campus, it was uh, Rachel and I upstairs with, uh, with our baby, and that was a great conversation piece for some of the new families that were arriving. And, uh, you know, our, our two daughters, they were three and five at the time, were heading down to the newly renovated Critterland downstairs. Um, and it's a time that I'll, I'll really look back on fondly. Um, there was obviously some original Brentwood members that were over at, at their campus, and there was, there was our group who had headed over from Allison. And there was a lot of new people arriving from, from West Moncton and, and other places. And so everybody was kind of coming together. You're meeting a lot of new people. And in addition to the Allison culture, you know, there was, a, there was sort of a new culture being formed right before your eyes. And, and we were kind of able to see, you know, God working in, you know, restoring this church and bringing it back to life. So that was really neat. Um, and when we, when we originally committed to heading over to the Brentwood campus, so there was really no timeline in place. We didn't know if or when we were coming back because nobody had any idea of how, how that campus was going to go. You know, there was still, we, we, we were pretty sure it was going to work and, and it was going to grow, but nobody knew. So when we signed up, it was kind of, you know, we're going to be here as long as we need to be. Um, and, you know, I guess looking back, it was interesting because I think you know, we were just starting to feel settled in, but it was filling up so fast that, you know, there was kind of a call went out, you know, if anybody's willing to gift their seat over the Brentwood campus to make room for new people, um, you know, can, can you head back over to the Allison campus? And so I think we were over there a few months just kind of settling in, getting to know people, and, um, you know, it, our job was done a lot quicker than we thought it was. So we headed back to the Allison campus and uh, sort of gift our seats, so to speak. And uh, so it, it, was, it was a lot faster than we thought. So I guess, I guess as I conclude this morning, I'll kind of conclude with a, with a reflection. And that's is, as, I, as I look back at, you know, that time in our lives and everything that was going on, you know, in our family and kind of the chaos, um, you know, I just encourage people to step up and serve no matter what's going on. Um, there's a saying that, you know, God's going to accomplish what he's going to accomplish despite us. Um, and if we're not willing to obey and serve, he's going to get it done anyways, and we're going to miss the blessing. And as I look at my own life, it's, it's the perfect example, because um, as I said, I was a minor character in this. My family was a minor character in this. It would have happened without us. Um, it would have been just as successful, I think, but we were able to sort of take part in that and gain a lot of blessings from it. Um, in terms of the relationships that we have over there, that we still have, uh, people that we got to know. Um, but it, in addition to that, just to be part of, you know, God doing a restorative work. You know, as we look at the Bible, God's a restoring God. If we look at Job, we look at Nehemiah, we look at the prodigal son. He wants to take us who are broken, um, us who may be on, you know, sliding down the slope and restore us. And so to see that, you know, firsthand so fast, as I mentioned, was really neat. And it's something that I, I often kind of look back at, you know, when when I wonder where God's at and say, you know what, he was there and he's going to do that again.
So again, just encourage you to serve. Um, if you get opportunities, obey God, and he's going to bless you uh, much more than, than you, you even put into it. So um, that's my story for this morning, and I appreciate you uh, having me up here to say it. So. My story at multi-site ministry at the Journey Church begins with one word, pain. Don't get me wrong. I know that God has a plan for multi-site ministry. I believed that he had a plan five years ago. God is always in the business of bringing people back to himself, of bringing back to life that which is dying. But the beginning of multi-site ministry here was a catalyst for many hard events in the life of our church. During that period, I myself experienced the distress and grief of family estrangement, the hurt of betrayal, the anxiety caused by hostility. Like a tornado on a beautiful spring afternoon, the pain and suffering of these events crashed into my world. And like a tornado, I had to deal with the destruction these events caused to me, to my family, and to my church family. C.S. Lewis once wrote these words to a friend who was experiencing suffering. We are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We are wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. I never doubted God's presence in my life. I did, however, doubt that I needed to stay here at the Journey Church. My initial reaction to the tornado of pain was to run. Get me out of here. This is not what I signed up for. During that time, I found it difficult to come to church sometimes because, tr to be truthful, I wasn't sure then who I could trust. I fought a battle with myself and with God every weekend. I would walk into church late and leave early so I didn't have to meet anyone. The pain and suffering was real, and I wanted it to end. I remember hearing a sermon from our lead pastor years ago that stated that everyone will experience suffering at some point in life. Jesus practically promises it in John 16:33. In this world, you will have trouble. C.S. Lewis states, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God certainly shouted in my pain. One of the truths he shouted every day as it happens is that he wasn't ready for us to check out yet. As much as I wanted to leave, God had other plans. And this brings me to my next word in my story of multi-site ministry at the Journey Church, hope. The word hope is a word that is used to mean many things. When my children were small, they would hope for a certain gift on their birthday or Christmas. They were trusting that their parents or grandparents would come through with the desired item. Sometimes we as adults treat God the same way. This situation is painful, God. I sure hope you'll show up and take it away. I trust you. I've been learning something in the past five years. I'm learning that trusting God does not mean that he will do what I hope for or want. Instead, trusting God means letting him work in my life what he wants, what he has planned for his glory, 
And often what I want and what God wants are different things. Let me unpack that a little more before I close. Really trusting God and hoping in him is acknowledging that his ways are sovereign, that he sees the whole picture and I don't. It's daily choosing to obey him and to follow his example of love and forgiveness even in the midst of suffering and pain. So, it's five years later and the only thing I can say for sure is the same thing the Apostle Paul wrote to the Roman church 2,000 years ago. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. See, all these years you thought I was the preacher. Um, the word remember is an important word in the journey of faith. Uh, God told the people in the Old Testament, his people, to always remember. He, he would say, remember that the Lord redeemed you from slavery in Egypt and that he delivered you into the land of promise. And often, when you read the Old Testament, when the, God's people, the nation of Israel, would get in trouble and they would fall away, it was because they stopped, come on, stay, say it with me, they stopped remembering. They stopped remembering God's faithfulness because the present circumstances overwhelmed who God was in their past. Um, but even as you move to the New Testament, into the church, um, you know, the early Christians were always told to remember. Remember uh, what God's done for you in Jesus. He delivered you from spiritual slavery to a land of promise in him. That we have this, we, we are new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. We have moved from darkness to light. Remember this. And so that even in just a moment here, we're gonna come around the Lord's table and what's Jesus telling all Christians through all the years? Remember that my body was broken for you, that my blood was shed for you. Remember what I did on the cross, that, that, that this is where it all begins. This is where hope begins. Remember. Of course, though, Jesus also teaches us something. He says, um, don't look back. Now, isn't that funny? Remember, but don't look back. In Luke chapter 9, it says, anyone who wants to follow me must be like a person who puts his hand to the plow and does not look back. And, and, and what's the difference? You know, I think looking back is where at some point along the way, we make the past our place of security and comfort. Oh, if we could just go back to that moment in time where everything was wonderful. Oh, if we could just go back when I was younger and I had hair. Oh, if we could just go back when I was young. And, or, oh, we could just go back to that time. And somehow we make the past our place of comfort. But the Bible never tells us to make the past our place of comfort. God is our place of comfort and refuge. Never our past. And I guess that's a danger even for us here 
in this five-year anniversary of multi-site? Because some of us are saying, but I want to go back about eight or nine years ago, Dave, when things were all great and wonderful. We had three services here, just at this site alone. We were packed to the rafters. We were talking about maybe becoming the next big W church. We don't know what the W church is. It's, it's on St. George Boulevard. But we were going to be the next one. And we even talked about maybe we're going to build a $5 million site here. Actually, that's what we looked. I had an architect. He said, well, if you really want to be as big as the big W church, he says, you're going to have to invest about $5 million. And then in the midst of all that, God seemed to suggest to us going another way. You know, um, everyone shared their story. Let me just share you part of my story as we remember, but don't look back. One of the most unique stories in the Bible for me is in the Gospels. You can read it in Matthew 8, for example, where Jesus was teaching the crowds, and then he says to his disciples, disciples, let's cross the lake. Jesus gave a command to the disciples, I want us to cross the lake and go to the other side. They get into the boat, as you read this, they start paddling across, and what happens? A fierce storm comes up. Now, I want you to stop and just think for a moment. Whose idea was it to go across the lake? It was Jesus. It was his command. He says, disciples, let's go across the lake. He gets into the boat. Actually, he falls asleep. And the disciples are now in the middle of the lake and a huge storm. And I mean, I'm thinking to themselves, I'm sure I would be thinking, Jesus, you told us to go across the lake. What is it with this storm? Now, I want to reflect on that on our five-year journey. You see, I believe that God really led us by his spirit to say, let's pursue multi-site. This is an innovative way to do God's work in the 21st century. This is an innovative way to use technology. This opens up new possibilities to create new sites quickly and easily. We, we're nimble, we're quick. We can have fresh expressions of God's work. We're already dreaming maybe someday we'll have a, a cafe worship experience. I've already been talking to other people in other places around Atlantic Canada. We have the technology now to set up another multi-site quickly and easily. This is all this was started five years ago. I'm so glad the guy decides to plow on Sunday morning. Thank you. <laughs> you worked that field. Anyway, so, so we're sitting there and we got thinking, yes, Lord, we are going to strike out across this lake of multi-site. Yay, let's go. And Dean Hennessy and his family pioneers and we're doing this and we renovate and we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to renovate Brentwood campus and we're redeeming an old church that had died and was down to about 25 people. And now they have over 150 there. Yay, oh, this is great. Now we've opened up more seats and chairs here so we can invite new people here and yay. Yeah, wait, brumbles. What are those clouds, Dave? What? I don't see. What? I do see clouds. Oh, wait, what's those flashes of lightning? And all of a sudden, there's financial crisis. And big financial crisis. It's kind of like a meeting like this that we were sort of standing up here saying, uh, we got no money in the bank. And then all of a sudden, people had to be dismissed from jobs and released. And all of a sudden... We, we were changing our governance structure. 
And we were moving from a whole bunch of boards to a single board, and people got all concerned about how power was being reshaped and shared, and it was against their culture growing up in a church, and they weren't sure what was going on, and what's Dave doing, what's our leadership doing, and there's crisis, and there's chaos, and, and, and storms, and lightning, and, and I go, Lord, I thought you told us to go across this multi-site lake. And then Jesus wakes up. And he says to me, and he says to other leadership, why do you have such little faith? Yes, there's a storm, but who's in your boat? I'm in the boat. I'm the Lord. And I believe that that's what we need to remember right now. We need to remember that though the ship is battered, the sails are a little ragged and torn, the anchor's holding. Jesus is in the boat. Because he's the head of this church. And by his spirit, he's going to continue to guide us and challenge us and transform us one person at a time as we are willing to be obedient to him and take it a step at a time and learn his ways of forgiveness and service and stop thinking that it's about me and start thinking about we and start giving and start experiencing what it means to live in his kingdom today. That's what I want to remember. I want to remember that, that Jesus is in our boat. And I want you to remember that because you might have your own lake story. It's maybe not a multi-site story. You've got your own lake that you've gone across and you thought Jesus was leading you there and you're saying, I got storms. I thought if you do God's will, I thought everything works out. It's all pretty and the clouds are always pink and fluffy and everything's working good. No, we've got to understand that as we serve Jesus, there's still going to be storms. But if we remember who we are, if we remember God's story, that God's working all things together for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, he's going to continue to do the good works in us. And I just start thinking about just this, all these people here, the impact you will all have as we're called to be on his work, his mission of bringing people from slavery to freedom, from darkness to light. And to help people understand that there's more to life than just this life. And that someday that they can have eternal life because of Christ. But they can have a full life today of freedom and forgiveness and hope. Yes, in the midst of the storms and everyone's brokenness. Jesus is in our boat, people. Praise God for that. And that's what we need to remember. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. His holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I'll worship your holy name The sun comes up It's a new day dawning It's time to sing Your song again 